0: Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight podcast. As always, we are brought to you by my man Stephen Hamner, and of course myself, Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation, the man behind QB Spotlight.
1: Steve, how's it going, my man? Eric, you're too you're too kind, of, as always. But things are well here. Um, and just real quick, guys, if y'all hear some, we are recording uh, at, at our house, so if you hear any. Uh, construction or, or any loud noises. There There's some stuff going on around us. So just a forewarning, but things are great. How, how are things on your, on your end? Can't complain, man. I want to yeah. say you're talking about our house by our. <laughs> he mean Steve and his lovely wife, not uh. Thank not, you for clarifying <laughs> that. We don't <laughs> want to get the <laughs> listeners
0: <or anything. laughs> the wrong impression. Slash, you know, uh, not like that I'm, we I'm, care, I'm, but no, we no, care. no, yeah, no, just, not, not just the impression. <laughs> I'm living out here. That's <laughs> yeah. that's what we're what we're clearing up. But uh, as always, you can find the QB Spotlight podcast on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find myself at Eric E R I C. C, Henry, H-E-N-R-Y underscore on Twitter. You can find Steve at Stephen Hamner on Twitter. That's Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. And last podcast, once again, thank you for coming back. If you are a returning listener, if you're new, thanks for checking us out. Appreciate you finding us. But last podcast, we talked a little bit of recruiting, a little bit of, you know, it's was coming up the National Sign Day at the times. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the incoming recruits <clears throat> of ours, um, just guys around Conference USA where they may play a part of the teams who might need a quarterback or teams who, you know, might not necessarily need a quarterback to start, but just that depth, right? Because, of course, if you're running a program, you always want to have uh, a quarterback coming in. And then we also talked about the transfer portal, which is, you know, a huge thing right now or a huge thing in general. And guys who are still in the portal have not had a QB signed, to the best of my knowledge, from the list we talked about. So those guys are still there. Uh, Steve, really quick, I just want to ask you this, kind of piggybacking off of that, because uh, it's something we didn't get into on that mm-hmm. episode. At what point in time do you think these guys have to get into a program, have to get into a home, just for, you know, A, the, the sake of finding a home, but yeah. B, um, getting in there and learning the system. You know, right. I, at what point do you think, because I'll, I'll give you an example, James Morgan, you know, obviously I cover FIU, so I have an uh, intimate uh, knowledge there. When JMO came in, he actually got there, I believe he only had, remember, serves me correct, he only had about 13 practices under his belt. Uh, that Yeah, it shouldn't have been 12 or 13 practices and not even really much of the spring. If, if he even came in after spring, he was still working out at Bowling Green. And, you know, that kind of played a part in maybe a uh, somewhat of a slow start for him. In addition to the tough schedule, I know they had Indiana and Miami, two out of their first four games out the box. But then he really took off, you know, mid-season. And we saw, mm-hmm. you know, one conference was USA, conference USA's newcomer of the year. You know, pretty uh, uh, nice draft prospect right now. So I'll use that as an example. Yeah. You know, and obviously each guy's different. You know, right. James is, is a quick learner. A guy's going to put, you know, <coughs> live in the, in the film room. But how much time do you think you kind of need to learn that system if you're a transfer guy coming
1: in? I, I think uh, always the, the more time you have, I think, is obviously better. But in this day and age with quarterbacks learning at a rapid pace and viewing it like a full-time job, Like if you take Joe Burrow, for example, I know he had a huge year last year, uh, this past year, and and then the year prior, the 2018 season, he didn't get on campus till after spring, too. And so I know that 2018 season was nothing like the 2019 season he had, but he still had a relatively good season. Another quarterback that comes to mind is Justin Fields. Sure. And he is someone who transferred early and was in spring last year to Ohio State, ended up having a fantastic season, almost won the Heisman. So those are two, just two different examples how, like you said, it depends on the individual. So I think it's it, it, it always gives you an advantage the more time you have, but it's not – uh, a necessity, especially if you have a coach and an a offensive scheme that fits that quarterback itself. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's just talk about high school guys for a second. Yeah. And obviously, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. But how many
0: high school guys do you think are coming out of systems or, and or getting the coaching, requisite coaching, to where it's a smooth transition mm-hmm. into college? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'll use another FIU example. Talk about Stone Norton, who's a mm-hmm. retro freshman. He played for a former NFL quarterback, and Jonathan Quinn, who they're running a very much a advanced system. Yep. It's not the kind of system that you know maybe I played in high school. I know you played in Texas, yep. so maybe you guys were running <laughs> stuff a little more advanced. But you know when I was in high school, the offenses right. weren't. It wasn't this spread. Right. You know what I mean? So just tell no, you, defi- talk about no, Yeah, for a
1: second. So so interesting you asked that. So obviously it varies from from high school to high school. Sure. And, and I was very fortunate to play for uh, several former NFL players who. Uh, were able to pass on a bunch of dollars. Former quarterback Donald Hollis and former offensive lineman Bruce Matthews are both my offensive coordinators. So I felt like I pro- my high school system was way more complex than my college system. Um, So I, I pretty much have seen every defense there was to throw at a certain offense before Gosh. I went to college. And, you know, we're running option routes and sure. different types of reads and uh, in high school before we can get to college. So it definitely depends on the individual Uh, The the school itself, but also these days you have all these former quarterbacks. Uh, Trent Dilfer comes to mind who like going back and coaching high school kids. So more than this time, especially more than like 10 years ago, college uh, quarterbacks are much more ready to take over. High school quarterbacks are much more ready to take over in college than say when I was playing or say even, you know, the early two thousands where sure. it was normal to play your junior year, senior year. Sure. Now they want to come in freshman year, sophomore year. So I think now it's a smooth transition. And then I know I'm kind of uh it's a long winded answer, no, but no, you have all no. these quarterback uh, gurus and quarterback coaches, individual quarterback coaches, you know, we have them in Tampa, Houston, they're yeah. all over the place. And so yeah. a lot of those guys are really, really good at what they do. And so they are able to help these young quarterbacks be ready to play at the next level like that. Um, so it 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 you know, varies from high school to high school, but I think a lot of these guys are more polished than what they were 10, 15 years ago. And
0: one more thing really quick before we get mm-hmm. into the meat of our podcast today, which is going to be, we're going to run through a couple of things. We're going to run through Conference USA weapons, because obviously a quarterback, you know, your, your great quarterbacks can make guys better, but, you know, we're talking about college and a lot of these guys are somewhat dependent on the talent around them. So that obviously helps, and you got to take that into account. So we'll be talking about weapons across Conference USA teams, and we'll be talking about the Mountain West as far as their quarterback situations, maybe some incoming guys and things of that nature. But last question real quick that I want to ask you before we get into that is this. Um, what would you say, just you know, your personal perspective, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest things or the biggest thing, like if you're a quarterback listening to this podcast right now, if you're a younger quarterback, a high school quarterback, uh, middle school, even an early college mm-hmm. guy, what would you say is the number one thing you think that if you're making that transition to being the guy, um, that you think you need to take into account? You know, whether that's schematically or you know into
1: your expertise mm-hmm, uh, training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What well, uh, you know, what would you say? First and foremost, reps. Okay. Reps, 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 and that doesn't mean reps in the field. It can be reps in the, the, the amount of time you're in the film room, the amount of time in the training room. But you can always be doing something to get better, whether whether it's the strength conditioning side of things whether it is just throw, throwing with your receivers, your tight ends, your running backs, whether it's watching game film with your offensive linemen, but just reps, reps, reps. You can't duplicate reps and experience. Uh, so I think first and foremost, getting reps in every field of the quarterback position that you can possibly get in.
0: And like you said, it doesn't have to be necessarily reps on the field, but it, right. can, it can be mental reps. It can be, you know, going to the field room or it can be throwing with you guys out there. Yep. And, that. and so really quick,
1: why would you get that answer? About reps? About reps, yeah. Just because you can't... You can – right, so it's like studying for the test. You can study as much as you want, but until you actually take the test, like in school, it just hits you differently. And so you can go through different dilemmas and different things all you want, but until you go out and actually get in the field uh, or get in the the weight room, like nothing really transfers over unless you actually have like like a rep. So there's a a book, uh, I believe it's called Talent Code, that we reference a lot. And he, the author, which the author slips my name, I, I apologize, but he references the, the 10,000 hour rule, Sure. where 10,000 perfect hours makes you an expert at whatever you're doing. So with, with that being said, the, the more quality reps you can get, the more likely you are to be in a better situation at your position, in this case, the quarterback position. So so essentially what you're saying, you know, is it's practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect, Make yes, yeah, it, exactly. It's... I mean, we're, we're playing football. This isn't rocket science. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's. Don't overthink it. Just get these reps in. However you gotta do it, and uh, you know you'll you'll be in a better position to succeed. There we go. Not.
0: So before we go too far off track, and we're <coughs> jumping to the uh, Mountain West Conference here. So let's take it away. First school we're going to talk about is Colorado State, and I will let
1: you take it away there as it, far as uh, incoming quarterback. So they so they didn't so Colorado State is <clears throat> interesting. They didn't sign a high school. Um, Recruit, I believe they have a preferred walk-on, but they have a grad transfer from Temple. Okay, uh, his name's Todd Centio. Centio, I'm pronouncing his, his name, his last name wrong, but he was from Temple. He's actually a South Florida guy too. Okay, and what makes this interesting about Colorado State is their starting quarterback last year, Colin Hill, uh, had another year of eligibility left. He was injured midway through the season, and he's actually transferring to South Carolina. He's following Mike Bobo who was the former head coach at Colorado State, now the OC at South Carolina. So they're kind of quarterback list, if you will. And it's kind of interesting they didn't sign a, a high school recruit. So that tells me maybe they think that, that that Todd Cintio is going to be the guy that takes over. Um, but regardless, he'll be in the running for the competition. Um, and so, so Colorado State, new coaching staff, new quarterback, and they don't have a high school recruit. That's why that Colorado State kind of stood out to me. So
0: next team we're going to get into is Wyoming. Uh, it was uh, Garen, is it b- probably, B-Rup? probably B-Rup? B-Rup. Gavin okay. b Yep, Gavin yep. Sure.
1: So he, he's, a, he's a well-polished quarterback. And the thing with Wyoming, they already have two quarterbacks competing, so I'm assuming Gavin's going to come in and, and learn the ropes and, and most likely redshirt. But he's a guy that stuck out on film who can sling it. Tough kid. I, I posted something on Twitter if anyone's interested, him taking a huge shot and still delivering the ball 50 yards down the field. But he's a guy that, that caught my eye and and going through these quarterbacks in Mountain West and Don't want to break your track. Yeah, 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 like how big is he? He's big. Six four, six five. 6'5". Okay. so he fits that Wyoming stereotype that, that, if that you guys you know. Yeah. Type. Josh yeah. Allen and, and Sean Chambers and Levi Williams are all six, sure. three, six, four, 200 plus guys who are sure. big dudes. So and he's got a big arm. Wyoming big quarterbacks, big arms, kinda of who and who they recruit.
0: And uh, hold that thought, cause I know yeah. there's another guy who was uh, very big, and I saw you posted it <laughs> on Twitter, Yeah, we're going to talk about him in a second, mm-hmm. uh, Nevada quarterback Nate Cox. Let's start with him.
1: Yeah, so he, this is an interesting guy. So I don't think he's going to come in and start, because I, I, I as I've talked about uh, Carson Strong this podcast before, I think he is a, Carson Strong is an NFL caliber guy who just completed his red shirt freshman year. I think he's got a big, big plant. And uh, Ruka, not to yeah. break yeah. your train of no, no, again, no, but the, for point
0: of reference, Malik Henry was also at Nevada, he, yeah. and he actually
1: just transferred. Yeah, Malik
0: Henry of uh, Florida State fame slash last year. Yeah, and he started fame. a game or two this yeah. year.
1: Did you know where he transferred to? He has not transferred okay. anywhere yet. But
0: just to give you guys a point of reference as far as how um how well the Redshirt yeah. freshman came yeah. to play. But continue R- yeah. With, yeah. With, yeah. with
1: Cox. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very good point, Eric. Um, yeah, so Nate Cox, he's a, he's a 6'8 to 6'9 quarterback. And he actually played at Conference USA his first years at Louisiana Tech. Okay. So he he's a, a kid from Louisiana, no uh, scholarship offers, walked out at Law Tech, uh, didn't get playing town court. Uh, Jamar Smith was, sure. was a quarterback sure. there. So, uh, so uh, Nate Cox transfers to, I believe, Garden City Community College, which was actually shown on Last Chance U when they played Independence College. And you're correct. He was at Garden City. Garden City. Okay. Or Garden City. Garden City? Garden City. Right. Garden City okay. College. Yeah. And so uh, so it was interesting that he is the only uh, quarterback that Nevada signed, which I guess makes sense just because, you know, high school quarterbacks are looking at Carson Strong. They know he's the guy. Uh, he's going to be a redshirt sophomore this year. But uh, anyways, he Nate Cox is a guy who does have potential. He's huge, and he, he can chunk it downfield. Another guy I want to touch on real quick who – transferred to Nevada before the year started was Caden Bennett, who originally signed with Boise State last year, uh, lost the starting job to Hank Bachmeyer, Right, know, sure. He was a freshman. He was stud. We stud. We both yep. like him. Exactly, yep. We've talked about him before in the podcast. And and so Caden Bennett was actually at Nevada all last year, I believe. And so, I don't know. And, and really quick, just yeah. talk about polar opposites here. Uh, Nate Cox talked about being 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, yeah. Caden Bennett is uh, listed at six foot 170. So, yeah. there you go. And B- Bennett a, is a... Is a, is a dynamic athlete he's a he's a stud athlete he's going to make plays with his legs and so i don't know what the whole plan is at the quarterback position i i really like carson strong but hey i could be wrong and Bennett or cox could end up being the guy at some point this year but regardless to say i think nevada is set at the quarterback position uh with with this with these three guys and at the very least they have depth save if, if strong was to uh, missed time for whatever reason, they do have depth at the quarterback position.
0: Steve, real quick, I want to ask you this. So about Caden Bennett, as I'm just here, you know, yeah. quickly brushing up. I saw he's a guy who, like you said, was at Boise State. I um, believe he he was a scholarship guy at Boise State. Mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. offers from Cincinnati, Connecticut, but also had an offer from Howard. Now, this is not me denigrating Howard by my right. of imagination. Actually, a guy we talked about last week, Kalen Newton, is at Howard. And it's a solid program. Yeah. Uh, the name of the coach was there, I believe it was Mike London was there, but he was just dismissed because there was some uh, sort of um, um the word is combined is bullying, but huh. in, in, in 2019, you can't, you can't coach the way Mike London is. And I, and I apologize for saying this publicly on the podcast. I don't need to cut it out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'll look at it. I'll look it up. Uh, it just was aggressive coaching. I'll, I'll look it up and get the specifics before we go. But my question I want to ask you is this. Yes. What does it say to you when a guy gets an offer from a Boise state mm-hmm. or Cincinnati, but then also has offers from Howard, um, Sacramento State, yeah, and Kyle Davis,
1: yeah. So real quick, I, I think what that would tell me, without knowing too too much sure. about his high school, would sure. be that he probably was a pretty good athlete who sh- demonstrated he could play at the next level, maybe early sophomore and junior year, then potentially came on the scene kind of late, okay. Or people were trying to get him to play a different position potentially, so they Just offered could him a position, yeah. Or he could have a huge senior year, and like you know what, let's give let's give him a shot. So uh, th- those are probably my um, that would be my kind of thinking behind why it was mainly FCS schools, and then a couple pretty decent-sized G five schools with with Boise State and some uh, AAC schools as well. So, um. However, sorry, real quick, the thing slipped us. So, <coughs> excuse me. But uh, yeah, so I think Bennett and Cox are. At least add depth to, to Nevada. Yeah, sorry like, about that. We just yeah.
0: had a little quick slip right there. Um, next quarterback we talk about is a uh, Navy Schuler at Appalachian State.
1: Yes. And so we'll go. We'll jump to the the to Sun, the, belt the sun belt. Now. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, a kid who I, I went through uh, earlier this week, uh, and he had uh, he's he's a Power Five talent guy, can run, can throw, and he's going to fit Appalachian State perfectly. He'll be backing up Zach Thomas, so I'm assuming uh, Shuler will be competing for the second or third spot right now. Maybe he gets redshirted, but Zach Thomas, you know, a former Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year in 2018, I believe, and then has led App State to uh, back-to-back Sun Belt uh, Conference championships. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, Shuler's gonna have a chance to come in and learn the offense, then, uh, if all goes according to plan, take over after Zach Thomas and uh, continue the uh, the dominance that App State has shown. The, at the G5 level and the P5 level as they beat, you know, North Carolina and South Carolina this year. Largely thanks to Zach Thomas.
0: So really quick, you know, the learner says we're doing this on the fly. Sometimes, you know, you will. Uh, I cover a lot of teams. You know, while yeah. I cover FIU. There's a lot of teams, a lot of names that come into play. Really quick correction here, which is important. I said Mike London was fired from Howard for uh, allegations of verbal abuse. Mike London was the coach at Howard from 2017 to 2018, which is why his name came up. The coach who was dismissed is Ron Prince. I need to say that okay. on the record because I can't have it out there that Mike London. Yeah. Was fired actually Ron Prince who who resigned um, due to allegations of verbal abuse. Is that
1: former Kansas State? Former Kansas okay. State head coach Ron yeah. Prince. So we need to
0: correct that really quick. So yeah, as we transition to the next quarterback, uh, it's going to be from uh, Georgia State.
1: Georgia State, yeah. So Georgia State losing one of the quarterbacks we like covering. Dan, Dan, Dan Ellington. Ellington chose to hang him yeah, up. Exactly. And side note, what a great guy to root for. He's going to be so successful in life, and uh, he was fun to watch and just tough it out. Whoever. Has not listened to this podcast before. Big Ellington fans and played the last few games. at torn ACL, anyways. So they have a recruit. And I'm going to butcher the name, which I'm very sorry. Maybe Eric, you can you can help me. Worth is it? McKell, McKelly, Colaserto. I'm going to say I'm going it? to say
0: it's McKell. Okay. McKell Colaserto.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: Co- Co- Cola, uh, Cola. Okay. So <laughs> actually, very random sidebar. There was an anchor here in Tampa growing up was Lisa Grassi um the cola i believe that c-o-l-a is cola
1: okay it's not cola it's cola so i believe that's Mikkel cola Cola colacerto so we apologize for butchering the name (laughs) but (laughs) we'll we'll get a correction out there eventually (laughs) however georgia state is is a is a team without a starting quarterback now they had a good recruit last year which again the name slips me but he was a guy who like alabama showed interest in and uh so he was a he he might be the guy that takes over the starting job but uh this kid was a this kid mckelly uh was a the starting uh, quarterback at the high school team in South Carolina? Put up some big numbers. Can run, can throw, and so he's. In, I believe he enrolled early, so he's there now, learning the the system, getting in the weight room, and uh, just just kind of getting familiar with the whole college football scene. Sure. As Eric, with you and me both playing can can attest. It's a it can be a, whirl, a whirlwind at times. So that's a, that's a transition. the sooner you can get in, the, the better. But anyways, he, he's in a good spot to at least. Learn and potentially take over uh, down the road. And just real quick, that the Sun Belt uh, quarterbacks this year, I was very impressed. But there are about three or four guys who had Power Five talent and could have gone the, the, the Power Five route. But those two guys are guys that kind of stood out to me just watching film off the uh, this past week going through the Sun Belt.
0: And with Sertle, he really stands out. He was a 2019-2020 Gatorade High School Player of the Year in South Carolina, a three-star recruit. You know, it's obviously a talented guy. Really quick. Um, But yeah, those are going to cover as far as recruits we're going to go and then we're going to transition into Conference USA. We talked about the weapons really quick. Um, And and the first thing we're going to do here is jump into, we're going to do this from the West to the East. So we're going to kind of just touch on each team a little bit. Uh, Some teams we may stretch a little further than others, but I'm going to start with Louisiana Tech. Couple of things I'll throw at you. Um, a guy who we both like is Adrian Hardy, their stud receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, had a bit of an off year this year, was a former Oklahoma um, signee before he signed to transfer to Louisiana Tech shortly after spring practice. But a guy who, you know, if anyone saw my Conference USA top 50 players in Conference USA list last year, Adrian Hardy's a guy who probably made my top 20, I believe. I want to say top 15 because a former thousand, uh, excuse me, a former thousand yard receiver, four star recruit, very uh, talented guy. And then Justin Henderson, who really came out of nowhere this year to kind of just, you know, that running back spot at Louisiana Tech was one that was a little, I don't want to say iffy, but was one that was kind of like expected to be run running back by committee because mm-hmm. they had a couple of guys there. But Justin Henderson really just took over and was a 1,000 yard rusher. And also, Smoke Harris is a younger guy mm-hmm. as well. So, really quick, as we know, they're clear. No, I don't
1: want no, to no, no, no. Go for How it. How much of the, because you, you, you mentioned Henderson taking off and the running backs were better than what you originally thought were going to be. How much did that have to do with Jamar Smith having such a, not a breakout year because it was his third year starting, but having his best year of his career and teams really having to just focus on him, which in turn probably opened up the running game. That is
0: a really good question. I would obviously say it has to play a part mm-hmm. because Jamar Smith really took that next step. But also, I mean, with Henderson, it was kind of weird because he's a—I mean, he really broke out against FIU, and you know, if anyone who is qualified to say this, it's me. A lot of running backs broke out against FIU, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but he's a guy who they had veteran running backs in Dancy and Israel Tucker. Uh, who, excuse me, not Jaquist, Justin Henderson was the 3rd string guy.
1: Okay.
0: So part of that is really, I would say, the development of Jamar Smith, but also give Henderson credit because so yeah. he, he yeah. did it all year long. Um, but like I was going to say, as far as our quarterback situation, we know it is Aaron Allen, who was the guy who took over when uh, Jamar Smith was suspended. And so really quick, you know, before we transition too far into the weapons, Steve, uh, at the college level, how much of it would you say is, you know, obviously you're going to have your stuff, your Joe Burroughs and guys like that who can mm-hmm. make guys better. But how much of it would you say is, you know, for at the Conference USA level, excuse me, you know, we're sitting here doing this podcast, so, you know, that's a <laughs> do it on the fly here. That's a little uh, <laughs> take you inside here. Um, how much of it would you say is dependent on the weapons around the guys yeah. versus the actual quarterback being able to make guys better? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So I know this is going to be kind of a bland answer, sure. but yeah, I think it it depends on the offensive scheme. It depends on how good the quarterback is, and it depends on how good the the weapons around you are. But I think the when you have a guy like Jamar Smith, like this because we're on Louisiana Tech and his star receiver this year, um, and the the year before when he really broke out it was Adrian Hardy. Adrian Hardy. Um, I think once you have a good quarterback and a, you know, a player who can play on Sundays, that's when this, like, as, as you know, that quote, iron sharpens iron, Correct. you know, a stud player is going to make another stud player better. A stud player may make a good player. Great. A stud player may make an average player good and, and so on. So as long as there is just, as long as one of the players, and that could be said for receiver or quarterback, if I'm a great receiver and you're an okay quarterback, then, you know, I may make you look a little better and vice versa. So uh, I think that can be said for depending on who or depending on the individual is going to come. Sure,
0: sure. So the next team we're going to jump to in the CUSA West is going to be UAB. And we all know their situation as far as, you know, they've got a stud running back in Spencer Brown, who was really banged up this year for anyone who knows UAB football. You know, Spencer Brown's back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher, actually ran for 1,300 yards in his sophomore year, a guy who you thought might have NFL potential this year, but was really banged up in split time with Jarian Street and Lucius Stanley. So you see their quarterback right there is going to be Tyler Johnson and Dylan Hopkins. They'll battle out to see who played. And really quick, Steve, when you take a look at the numbers there, I mean, just yeah. what does that say to you? You know, as far as uh, uh, their play.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so real quick. So, like like Eric said, it'd be Tyler Johnson the third and, and Dylan Hopkins were the, the two guys this year. And Tyler Johnson had a really good five game stretch two years ago, sure, uh, where he had several three hundred game three hundred yard games passing through for double digit touchdowns and took took better care of the ball. Than he did this year, but. Uh, This year, uh, Hopkins and Johnson combined for 20 passing touchdowns and 20 interceptions. Right. So, so yeah. So with with that ratio, uh, it's going to be tough for any running game to get going. So it makes you wonder how much was really on the running game and how much was the running game declining on the quarterback play that was poor by probably their standards. Because Tyler Johnson III was a guy who had who had some, you know, buzz coming of the season. He, he was plagued with some injuries. And so I, I want to make sure that, that, that is known. I still think Johnson is, is, is the guy I think he's going to take over. And I think he's going to bounce back and look like he did his first year kind of starting, um, but, yeah, I think the quarterback play has to improve the running game to improve right here.
0: So the next team we're going to jump into, and as I really quick, we're going to talk about weapons. Uh, as far as UAB, their number one receiver really coming back is going to be Austin Watkins, a guy who had about 541 receiving yards. I believe it was roughly that. But next thing we're going to talk about a Southern Miss. And it's one thing, a guy who you know, we're huge fans of is Jack Abraham. Mm-hmm. But when you look at their production, you know, from the running game, it's really been spotty. You know, DeMichael Harris was a guy had like 500 and something yards. It, it, that running game hasn't been – and that's not to say they're not – effective but they're not going to have that guy who's going to be a thousand yard rusher you know Mm -hmm. but when you look at the numbers of of guys who are returning you have tim jones who had just under a thousand yards Mm -hmm. um uh, quez watkins who's taking his game to the nfl they're losing him so just talk about that really quick because when you look at their numbers on offense it really shows that you know the engineer the guy around him is really jack abraham so two-part question one uh do you think it could be do you think he's the kind of quarterback who's equipped to make the players around him better Mm -hmm. and uh and two um Quez Watkins, I mean, you got not taking the fact he's gone. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, do you expect somewhat of a drop-off? So, real quick before I answer that, because <clears throat> you're someone who has, you probably know more of the receivers, running so, backs of the miss, and sure. I probably have a little more time with the quarterbacks. Is Tim Jones someone who could take Quez Watkins' spot? Tim Jones, a 2nd leading receiver, he was still uh, Abraham's go-to guy, so to say, was Watkins and Jones, Watkins yeah. and Jones. So, can, can Jones be the guy that takes over Watkins' sort of, Hey, the defense has to worry about Jones, and then a younger guy step up and take Jones's spot, or is is that spot gonna, or is Watkins spot gonna be evident in the passing game and the offense itself? Because he was a big recruit, kick returner, and but just offense itself, not not as far as special teams go.
0: The best way I can answer that question is time will tell. Because when you have a guy like Quez Watkins, obviously you know he's getting the double teams. Tim Jones was a guy who can take take the top off the defense, yeah. very much a deep threat. Um, he will have the fact in a return game, but to okay. keep it spe- in specificity to offense. I think he can be a go-to guy, but once again, time will tell. Uh, the other guy who's going to step up and probably slide into the Tim Jones spot is Kevin Perkins who had a solid year, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you have, and that's not to say Tim Jones, isn't a good player, sure. but you know, when you talk about Quez Watkins, he's getting the looks, Yeah. so that's going to play a factor there. Um, but yeah, as far as Jack Abraham, I mean, does he yeah. strike as a kind of quarterback, who, you know, can, uh, very accurate guy. He will be unfortunately learning his third offense. Yeah, you know, because we'll have a third offensive coordinator who was just hired uh, yesterday. I mean, Friday, excuse me. The name escapes me right now. Okay. He's hired an offensive coordinator, so we'll have to see how that plays. But just your thoughts I on th- Abraham? If he think, can, yeah, I think if
1: the scheme and remains the same offensively, I think yes. I think yes. Regardless, he, he definitely has that potential. Sure. But if the scheme remains the same, it'll be much easier as opposed to him having to learn it again and then teach it again to his players. If he already knows it, then all he has to do is be teaching it. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a senior year. So I think Southern Miss fans are probably hoping that Abraham takes the next step, like Jamar Smith did with Louisiana sure. Tech, where Smith sure. had, uh, he showed glimpses sophomore junior year, but never took that big step. And then senior year came, and you're like, wow, he's a solid, solid player. Where Abraham has shown glimpses, like he's very accurate, pushed the, push the ball downfield this year. But you know, turnovers were an issue. Two games where he threw four picks. You know what I mean? The so, F.A.U.
0: game was one that surprised me, man. Right, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah FAU, he threw four yeah, picks. Yeah, four, right. both
1: his losses in conference threw four picks, Louisiana Tech four picks and FAU four picks. So but those were two are probably the two best teams in conference USA. You sure, know, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, Southern Miss fans would tell you that they should be the best team year in, year out. And talent wise, maybe it could be right. You and as someone
0: who hears from Southern Miss fans yeah. all the time, I don't mean this as a slight. No. Because when you look at the amount of talent around them,
1: they're a talented team. They have
0: reason to be frustrated and say, damn, why can't we take the next step? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You
1: know? Yeah, so so I, I know it's kind of a long winded answer. To answer no. your question, mm-hmm. yes, but a lot. The co- the coaching scheme and and how the coaching massages that the the new transition will play a lot big role in that as well.
0: We're gonna kind of skim over two teams in Texas. Sorry, I apologize to your home state here, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, UTSA they have a lot kind of flux as far as their quarterback situation. Yeah. And I mean, the main guy they have is Sincere McCormick, who's a nice player from the uh, San Antonio area, running back, I believe from Judson High School. But uh, it, it's still really a program in flux. They don't really have any. Uh, big time targets. Uh, Zahari Franklin is a guy you can talk about, but we won't spend too much time there. UNT, we know their quarterback Mason Fine is moving on, so there's a huge you know mm-hmm. situation here as far as who's going to play quarterback. Rico Bussey Jr., who would have been yeah. the guy, he's you know in the, the transfer yeah. portal. Has
1: he has he decided declared where? He hasn't
0: signed anywhere declared. yet, but he's a guy who's similar to Marshall and Obi Obialo, who yeah. is. Probably a P five talent and is going to go pursue that P five school. Mm-hmm. So you know you have that to play a factor. They have two running backs in Trey Sigurds and DeAndre Torrey, but he's got to figure out what the quarterback situation is going to be. So the next thing we're going to jump into is uh, Rice really quick and surprisingly, and we'll spend it. We'll stay in Texas, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Rice, even though the wins have not piled up, I am on the record of saying that this is the CUSA team you need to look for in 2020. They have a great defend a defensive player and linebacker Blaze Aldridge, a kid out of Orlando, who the Orlando area, I believe, is from Kissimmee. Um, so Orlando area, but just was a Juco kid, jumps up to the scene. want to say he was third or fourth in CUSA in tackles. Okay. And he is not a guy who's reckoned the tackles because teams are running on them. He's a guy who um, I believe may have been first or second in tackles for loss. So he's getting to the backfield. So defensively, they'll be okay. But on offense, they have two guys, Austin Trammell and Brad Rosner. Um, you know, I think I can make this joke with Steve, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, we'll be okay when I say this. They got two white receivers, <laughs> but they also got two white receivers who can take the top off, yeah. the, off the defense. Yeah. Both of those guys, uh, you know, size, good hands, but also can have the speed, mm-hmm, can get mm-hmm. downfield. So uh, really quick here, when we talk about Rice. You know, their quarterback situation is one that we talked about them yeah. last week. Maybe having a transfer, yeah. but what does it do when you have two guys on offense? When you say, "Hey, you know, you pick your
1: poison." Yeah, well, the, the big th- that that should, in theory, one open up the running game, which Rice likes to do, and. In- Right, with Mike Yeah, and, 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 even, and even if they're only getting three yards apart, two yards apart, they're still getting positive gain, and then they just need to bust one, you know? So that's going to take at least your defensive back. So if you're, if you're taking up the top, you got your safeties are going, and most likely your corners are playing in some type of uh, zone, or some type of – even if it's man-to-man, they're running with their guys. So it's, gonna, it's going to open up the run game, and it's going to open up the short game passing in theory, um, and then take your shots whenever – you know the the defensive uh, coverage lines up, and and whenever the, the coach the coach gives them the, the okay, um, but their their passing game definitely needs to improve for them to take the next step. But and like when you, when you said that you think that this that that rise to the US, USA team that's going to take their the next step this yeah, year, yeah. yeah, I do believe that. And you were right about Charlotte last year. You said they would get what seven wins. I said
0: they get seven. Yeah, I thought, you know, I believe they... My memory serves sort of correct, I believe they did hit that. Yeah, and I, so, when you
1: first said that, I was like, oh, okay. But now, uh, if you say right if you said Rice was gonna get six wins, I'd be leaving. You. you know, just, it's
0: it's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I believe they have either Oklahoma or LSU, they have some heavyweight. The uh, Texas? Or the Texas. yeah. Maybe, Maybe I missed it. Both of yeah. us, we should have you know prepped yeah. ahead of time. But no, they it's gonna be tough because their schedule yeah. is tough. But I believe the talent is there. Yeah. But uh we're gonna transition away from Rice, spend one more quick moment in the state of Texas with UTEP. It's been tough sweating. Yeah. You know, we know where that program's coming from. Dana Dimmel, I believe two wins over the past uh, two years. Yeah. So it's been a struggle. Really quick, they have Quadres Wadley who we come back from injury. You know, Torres ACL last year. But outside of that, you know, they got a guy like Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowling who they're unproven. But in fact of matter is, with UTEP, UTEP, it's not just the offense. It, it's it's everything. It's, yeah. ev- it's, it's everything. It's not the
1: quarterback. It's, it's not it's, the weapons. It's, it's just take the next step. It just take the yeah. you take
0: the next step. You know, to be honest, I'm not saying this is a joke. Three or four wins would be. A, a progress because it doubled the amount yeah. of wins they had the past and two I'm,
1: years. I believe the only teams they beat this year is HBU, Houston Baptist FCS school, who yeah. has not been around very long. I don't know the exact number of years, yeah. but just so when I graduated high school in 2009, they didn't even have a football program. So <laughs> so done. you know it's been less than 10 know. years, uh, and I think they beat Rice two years ago. Right, so those correct, Those
0: are the correct. two wins. Yeah. So there's a UTEP. It's more than just a quarterback, more than just the weapons. But we're gonna talk about FAU here for a second. I kind of want to spend some time here with FAU. Because we know they have arguably the best quarterback in conference like years, right. the Chris Robinson, right? They've got a trio of running backs. You know, they've got Larry McCammon, a young freshman. They have James Charles. Malcolm Davidson was a guy who really took off, you know, just a stud toward the end of the year. Uh, and also B.J. Emmons, the former Alabama transfer, you know, now came to play with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's gone, but he's still there. So they've got four running backs. But one of the things I want to, you know, kind of run by you really quick is when you look at their offensive production that they're losing, they're losing tight end Harrison Bryant, who we both agree is probably the best tight end in Conference would say maybe the second best tight end in the nation, 1000 yard receiver. They're also losing D'Angelo Antoine, the USF transfer, who came on there and gave him a huge boost as a speed guy. So when you look at their returners right there, the, you know, the next leading returner is a guy like John Mitchell, whose memory is certainly correct. I believe, yeah, John Mitchell actually is coming back. And then Willie Wright. So when you look at it, it it's not a ton of returning talent. Now, Willie Wright is a guy who... I don't know what the hell happened to him last year because he, you know, really played well his first two years, but, you know, kind of took a back seat. Um, and also John Rain, at tight end, who was the backup tight end, he'll progress to the, the starting tight end. So when you take a look at their returning production, I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe, A, that Chris Robinson is similar to Jack Ram, is the kind of guy who can make those guys better? And then B, what does it say to you as, you know, as, as a quarterback when you look at your, your team and say, all right, I'm losing my top two guys, mm-hmm. but... I got to make this production work for me because mm-hmm. we know they have the running backs. Mm-hmm. We know that Chris Robinson, I mean, both of us agree far and away. He yeah. QB in conference USA. So at least take it away there.
1: Yeah. So I think any, any time you lose over 1700 yards receiving 12 receiving touchdowns and over 120 <coughs> uh, uh, catches is going to be a, a tough transition. And then you got to add on Lane Kiffin's leaving but even with that said, I think the fact that they promoted from within, at least with the uh, – the name forgets me – the Clint Trickett. Clint Trickett. Yes. Correct. And so I think he's a co-OC, and I believe he was a Titans coach he was last co- year. But so you know, regardless, he has a relationship with Robertson, and so I think that can help massage and smooth things over. Um, but that that will be something interesting. I don't know if I have, have, an, have an answer. I do definitely think he – is capable to make others around him better, uh, especially with what he showed this year. And the fact, what what tells me he can do that is the fact that he struggled his first year starting, right? He, I think he, he either, either had 12 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions, or he. It was 12 yeah, and 12. Okay, yeah. 12 and 12. And then this year he goes on, and has 20, mid 20 touchdown passes sure. and I think six, four to six interceptions. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact numbers. But regardless, he, he showed huge. Improvement. So for someone that can take the next step like that and, and make that big of improvement and can grow in a year is someone I'm, I feel pretty confident I can help the players around him take the next step.
0: So really quick, the next thing we're going to talk about is a team that I cover extensively at FIU. And we know they are losing James Morgan. They're losing, um, uh, come on, now I'm, I'm thinking of CJ Wharton from last year. They're losing. Um, why is this killing? Austin Maloney. Austin, thank you, Look man. At you. And, think, and so they,
1: they, I, I don't even cover FIU have <laughs> this quarterback. they <and laughs>
0: losing Austin, Austin Maloney. <laughs> Austin's going to kill me when he hears
1: this. Uh, Austin Maloney has been a great target as
0: well. Losing Maurice Alexander in the slot. Um, so, you know, so they are losing yep, some receivers, yep. but they have a guy, their quarterback situation. We don't know what it's going to be as far as Stone Norton or Kalen Wiggins. Austin, forgive me. I cover all the Conference USA at times. So forgive me at times. It can be uh, a little and bit. And can different. you give me some credit, Eric, for at least. For yes, me. yes, that yes. Was yes. You nailed number 15 Austin Maloney, you know, uh, from Christopher Columbus High School in Miami. There we go. It's not that I don't know Austin, all right? Um, but really quick, you know, the, the quarterback situation between Kalen Wiggins and Stone Norton, uh, we'll see what happens there. But they have some guys come back. They have Bryce Singleton, who uh, of 2018 fame, made a hell of a one-handed catch against FAU. You know, probably an Odell Beckham-like catch. Devontae Price is probably going to be the bell cow at running back, and then Sterling Palmer's a nice player, tight end. But a guy I want to ask you about here is Jeremiah Holman, who we're looking to be signed with the University of Georgia. Was a former four-star recruit. I mean, recruited by guys like you know Tennessee, Notre Dame, uh, Nebraska, Miami, Michigan, you name it. And when you look at Jeremiah, uh, as far as his time at Georgia, he was making you know catches in the Gator Bowl against UF, or you know catches in the Sugar Bowl. So uh, the reason FIU had some uh, personal issues, you know, it was a uh, alleged. Or I mean, you know, I, you know what? I won't use the word allege. I'll let you guys look up the facts. But uh, uh, off-the-field uh, um, dom- yeah. domestic situation yeah. there. So that's why he ended up at FIU. But as far as him on the field, I mean, Steve, when you see a guy like that who's super talented, I mean, this i have been on the record of saying yeah. this—the second that Jeremiah Holdeman touches the field at Conference USA, yeah, he'll be top three athlete. Yeah, and that's without question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just your thoughts. No, he, when you when you when you can add a guy. Sorry not to cut you off. but no, you no, say, no, yeah. When you can add a guy like that. We're not talking about you know, and this is no disrespect to any of the guys who signed in Conference USA, but we're talking about a top-end nation type talent, mm-hmm. in Jeremiah Holman.
1: So as a as an offensive coordinator or an offensive coach, especially at a school like FIU, where you're losing an NFL quarterback, you're you losing receivers, you're losing a lot of the, cr- the nucleus of your offense, and now you have uh, uh, Jeremiah Holman coming in who. Is arguably the best athlete in all of Conference USA. I think your whole offensive goal is how do you get him the ball? How can we get him the ball in space? How can we get him the ball downfield? Uh, watching him at, at Georgia, even though it was briefly, he uh, his athleticism and his ability to make plays with the ball in his hands just jumps out. And if it jumps out, if it jumps out the screen, playing SEC caliber talent, it's going to jump out the screen when they play in Conference USA. Um, He's also – he's not a small guy either. You know, when you think of quick electric guys, you think of, you know, 5'8", 5'9", 175, whatever. Uh, according to the, the FIU roster, he's a 6'2 guy, and 200 pounds. So he's going to be able to get off the line of scrimmage, uh, especially against the CUSA corners. With That's not a, a, a knock-on because sure, no, FIU no. has a stud. Louisiana sure, Tech has a stud. you sure. know. But as a whole – But as a whole, yeah. Sure, if, yeah. You, if you put your number three – if Hallman's in the slot and you put your number three corner on him, that's, that's it's a wrap. That's you know amazing. what I mean? So – uh, I think finding ways to get him the ball, and that's going to be a huge blanket for the the incoming FIU quarterback, whoever it may be, to to know that they have, okay, I have an SEC, NFL-level talent receiver I can throw to. If worst comes to worst, I'm just going to give him a chance and know that, hey, the other team is not going to get the ball. It's either going to be him, him, or no one. So,
0: so yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, we kind of want to on him really quick because he's a guy who – you know, I mean, if you really talk about conference USA newcomers, a team that we're going to talk about next in Charlotte has a guy in Trey Harbison at running back. He's going to be a, a contender for CUSA newcomer of the year. Uh, transfer from Northern Illinois who ran for a thousand yards you know, because Charles was in Benny LeMay. But at FIU, I mean, there's no reason to think that JJ Holman, if, if everything goes yeah. according to well and they find quarterback play can be the newcomer of the year. Cause like you said, Line up in the slot, he's gonna be a mismatch. If you line him up against your number two cornerback, it's gonna be a mismatch. There are only so many Amik Robertson. Yeah, yeah. He's gone. Like, there's only so yeah, many yeah. Stanley Thomas Olivers. Um UAB has a guy, Bronte Harris, who who honestly probably would have been in the NFL this year had he not um towards hamstring. Okay. But there's only so many guys across the league who you know will be able to cover hang yeah. with a guy like that. So that would be interesting to see. But as we talk about Charlotte really quick, I want you to take a look at their weapons. Because they have um, Victor Tucker, who's a, you know, a very he's a classic Conference USA underdog story. Two-star kid out of Miami, Carroll City High School, a, a powerhouse under Miami, doesn't get any FBS yeah. offers except from Charlotte. He's there. He put up 900 yards this year, I believe had 750-something yards his freshman year. They also had Cameron Dollar, who's a big guy, 6'3", coming back, You know, and like I mentioned, Trey Harbison. So when you look at Chris Reynolds, the fact that we know they are losing Benny LeMay, yeah. they are losing Alex Highsmith, who's going to be an NFL defensive end slash linebacker, and they are losing Cameron Clark, who's going to be an NFL left tackle. right? But um, I believe they're losing their center, Jalen Fisher, as well. My, my memory is certainly correct. But a lot of returning talent on the outside. Mm-hmm. And you know Chris Reynolds put up really good numbers last year. Uh, so just I'll let you take it away as far as Charlotte.
1: Yeah, so over, over keeping up with Chris Reynolds and, and covering them the last two years and covering Will Healy at Charlotte this year, I would never bet against Will Healy and Chris Reynolds or Charlotte in general. They're sure. going to find a way to get it done, and I, it wouldn't surprise if they make a push for the CUSA title this year. Chris Reynolds is going to be a junior. This is their second year with Will Healy and that whole offensive plan, and so I think that they're going to be able to take a big step this year. You know, Chris Reynolds is a guy who you know threw for twenty two touchdowns, <coughs> me. threw for twenty two. Uh, through for 22 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions, so a good two to one ratio. And you look for him to take a better step next year, over 2,500 yards passing, and he even uh, he even rushed for over 700 yards. I yeah, mean, very much a dual threat. Yeah, guy. I mean, very much a dual rushed threat. Rushed for guy. 700 or 800. Uh, I know it was over 700 yards, and had six touchdowns on the ground yeah. as well. So yeah. uh, he's a guy who his speed won't jump out on you, but he's just he's just a sneaky good athlete. And so and he knows when to run and when to throw, and they have that. They perfected that that run pot the RPO so RPO, well. Yeah. Uh, if you go back and look at any, any of the twitters, any of our, our tweets that we posted during the season about uh, Chris Reynolds, most of the plays are a, a RPO play ran to perfection. So I look for that to be even better and better. And uh, I I think that you know anytime you got Chris Reynolds on the field. And another thing about him, I believe he was a walk on. It was my
0: Chris Reynolds. Remember, real quick, I believe. Is, I believe he was a walk on. I'll have to double check that. Okay. I'll, I'll double okay. check that and we we'll go to the next team. Okay. I believe he was a walk on. Okay.
1: Local and kid though. Local kid. Yeah. But he so he was all he was always a, he always had to fight for his job. So two years ago fought for the job. This past year Brett Keane comes in. Keane starts the first half against Garner Webb, I believe. Yes. yes. They just do so so. Chris Reynolds gets in, boom, his job ever since. So he's a fighter and that earns the respect of your teammates. So the fact that he's a fighter, he's a he's a he's a leader, uh, that's gonna be something to just remember moving forward. It's not just about the stats. It's about what he does in the locker room as well. Absolutely.
0: And and those guys love Chris Reynolds. I mean, you could, you know, um, if you guys, if you go on, I'm a cheap plug here, underdogdynasty.com, our guy Hunter Bailey, who's covering Charlotte, just wrapped up an interview series. He interviewed Victor Tucker and also just interviewed uh, Rico Arnold, who will be coming back as well. But those guys talk about how they love Chris Mm. Reynolds. You know, uh, Victor Tucker and Rico Arnold both said that they think that Chris and also, they're a little biased, but they think yes. he's going to be the best quarterback in conference, mm-hmm. let's say, next year. So just goes it just goes to show. Yeah, show. just yeah. goes to show. But I do want to spend a little bit of time on this team, and we'll speed through a couple of the final ones. But I do want to spend some time here. It's Marshall. We know we talk about Isaiah Green a lot. A lot. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is this. He does not have Obi Obialo. That, to me, when I saw that... It's a little bit concerning because when you look at their returning production, I'll let you go and take a look at it, Steve. You know, they lose a guy like Armani Levias at tight end who's a safety blanket. But you look at their next leading receiver coming back is Xavier Gaines, who's kind of that tight end kind of H-back kind of guy, only caught for uh, 300 yards. Mm -hmm. So just we've talked about Isaiah Green a lot. You look at their returning production, like I said, Xavier Gaines. uh, Brendan Knox is the running back, you know, and he was the fourth leading receiver. But he's a stud, but they can yeah. only lean on Brandon Knox yeah. so much. I mean, he's a 1,300-yard yeah. rusher, was Conference USA's MVP. But, I mean, you see what they have yeah, coming back. They, it's not much in as, terms of the receiving game. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah,
1: no, as, as a defense, until Isaiah Green shows the rest of the conference, he can take the next step and he can beat you, load up the box and say, Brandon Knox, bring it, you know? And then if and then trust that if you have eight or nine guys in the box and you're shutting Knox – um, then, then you just trust that your DBs are going to hold up, and until Isaiah Green can beat you, there's no there's no reason to view him as a complete threat. Now we are both high. We like Green. We think he's got potentially strong flashes. So, and I hope the kid you know does take the next step and proves everyone everyone wrong. But until then, load up the box and say, all right, let's see what you got.
0: Yeah, you look at Isaiah Green's numbers again. You're talking about yeah. a guy. You know, 2,400 yards, uh, 15 touchdowns, 11 picks, but the 56% percentage.
1: Yeah, and even last year, it was, I think, right at 57, his completion percentage. And he had two or three games this year where he didn't even throw for 100 yards. Not that you need to, but in this day and age in, in football, it's going to be hard to, to, to win if you throw for under 100 yards unless you're running the triple option. Um, so, and the thing with Isaiah Green, real quick, I know we've talked about him. Is he had he didn't have a game that just like stuck out. Like you know, quarterbacks right, who are consistent right. the past few years, like Jamar Smith, have a great game, stick out, and then have a so-so game. Uh, Isaiah Green just kind of had so-so games, bad games, so-so ga- games, bad games. But he would so flashes throughout those games still, but can never have a complete game. So,
0: so really quick, you know, we're going to talk about um, Old Dominion and, and Western Kentucky, but just you know, here's the fact of the matter with ODU, another situation like UTEC,
1: a lot, of such, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to improve
0: on. They, their defense was solid last year. They spent a lot of time on the field, yeah. so their numbers might not stack up, but their defense was solid. We both like the kid that they have, Hayden Wolfe, at quarterback. We're going to we see what, what Ricky Rain can do. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of things to fix yeah. So not just that. They um, also have a nice left tackle on Isaac Weaver as well. But in Western Kentucky, um, Gage Walker coming back, nice 1,000-yard rusher, Jacare Porson, Ja'Kur, Pearson, excuse me, but well, we got to figure out what their quarterback situation is going to be. Mm-hmm. So you know the fact remains they're losing Lucky Jackson, yeah, thousand right. yard receiver, a stud. So. One of the most
1: underrated receivers by all of college football, right? Absolutely. I mean,
0: when you look at his numbers, his all time numbers, he's you up there in the top twenty all time yeah. in conference
1: USA. Oh, wow. So it, it, and even like he destroyed Arkansas too. So, yeah. You know like doesn't like he he's an NFL quality talent. Yeah. But like I said, we're
0: going to kind of breeze yeah. through them because they have other situations right. they got to work on. Last one we'll talk about is you know a favorite of ours, Asher O'Hara in Middle yeah. Tennessee State. Um, when you look at Asher, you know, run for over 1,000 yards, pass for over 2,500. But I want you to take a look at their guys who they have coming back here, and Jimmy Marshall and Jalen Pierce, because they are losing Ty Lee. And Ty Lee was uh, been a stud in Conference USA for many years. But something that I think, and this is just my own personal assessment of Asher, I think that um, similar to Brent Stockstill, the offense runs through him. So yeah. it's never going to be necessarily that 13, 1,400-yard receiver. I mean, the, the days of, you know, Richie James being the guy um, from, you know, prior years, or even Ty Lee under Brent Stock still had a little more success, but that's probably because Stock was a little more positive as a passer at, at this point. Right. Um, so, <clears> throat> both of <throat> us are high on Asher. We're high on Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. State. We think that they can take a step and make a bowl game next year. But we look at their returning production, uh, two-part question. One, what does it say to you once again? You see uh, the guys that are coming back. If you look at the cluster of, of receivers they had while well, kind of in that 500-400-yard range, so what does that say to you? And B, um, do you think that, and this is hard to say without, you know, I'm sure Tony Franklin, uh, Middle Tennessee State's offensive coordinator would challenge me on this, but do you think their offense runs best if it's just, you know, hey, um, Asher's our number one option, you know, kind of freestyle out there. And then number two, you just read who's open. There shouldn't necessarily be that number one guy out there as a receiver.
1: Yeah. So quickly, I think Asher's a dude. Asher's a dude. Uh, he's, he's a gamer. He's we, a, he, we both agree. And he he's if if they went if they had a winning record this year he might be conference USA at the player of the year.
0: The fact of the matter that Asher O'Hara did not make a conference USA first or second yeah, that was, team. and 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 granted, I mean there were studs. I mean they had Robinson and, sure. and, and Mason Fine,
1: but you, know, you rush over a thousand yards and, and throw for twenty five. I mean yeah, that's it's, uh, it's weird. But t- to answer your question, I think. I would say I wouldn't disagree with this. I'll do the second question first. Sure, sure. I wouldn't disagree, so to say, but I would say that I would never want a quarterback to just freestyle it because you know okay. he always has that if he needs to, right? Like, you know, hey, if you need a freestyle play, you can freestyle it. So I would say continue to get better with your reads, continue to progress as a quarterback, and trust that when you progress as a quarterback and you progress in the system – the results will be better and better, and so I think you're going to see that with the receivers. I think they could have a thousand-yard receiver. Uh, I so I think both the guys you mentioned, as they put it, right about 500 yards Correct. receiving the record. Correct. So I, I think I think both those guys could I don't know necessarily double, but you'll see improvement down the ropes. So I think Asher is going to improve as a passer. Like I said, this is only his first. This is his first year starting. First of start, yes. and he played JUCO before, yep. and so he. DuPage. Yep, DuPage, yep, and so he was, you know, not only getting used to. The speed of the game, but getting you know on page with his receivers and getting on page with the with the offensive scheme itself. So I think he's going to take the next step as a passer. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't rush for as many yards this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's more of a six to seven hundred yards okay. a game. Okay. But th- with that said, I, th- I would I would assume his passing would be would able to that up to three to thirty five hundred. Not to say he can't rush for over a thousand. Of course he can, but I think the offense will be more successful. Uh, if the passing game was more successful, and let the running back do the running, and then know, hey, when Asher's got to take off, he's going to take off, and probably going to score. Um, so that's why I kind of view it as the outside looking in, and just from watching Asher this year. But man, he—he, he, I love watching all quarterback play. You know, I like yeah. watching all the Conference A quarterbacks. But he—he—he's in competition for probably my favorite guy to watch. He's just a dude. He's a football player who happens to play quarterback. So I think anyone can appreciate that.
0: I, I think that's the best way to sum up. And if you look at, you know, just really quick for point of reference, Middle Tennessee State, the last 1,000-yard receiver they had was set the current San Francisco 49er, Richie James, who had 105 catches for 1,600 yards in 2016. But you go past that, and we talk about Ty Lee, yeah. um, who his numbers kind of fell off with Asher kind of coming right. into it this year. Ty Lee's a guy who had 955 yards in 2017. And I believe had 900 yards in 2018. So mm-hmm. you know, he had 71 catches for 883 yards in, in 2018. Okay. So you know, his numbers he took a dip yep. with a new quarterback. Yeah. Obviously, Brent Stockstill, you know, uh, one of the best players in conference USA history. So you know, that plays a factor. But I, to give my quick assessment, I do agree. I mean, I think that um, I saw him. I had a chance to see his first real action, in 2018 against FIU when mm-hmm. Stockstill got hurt. And that's what I really fell in love with his game because he's a gamer. You he's know, gamer. I mean, come in so there. When off you talk,
1: first saw him, nothing, but you surprised by man, he's an athlete. Like he
0: no, because, he, well, he, because he saw I, him before, I saw my right? okay, do I saw my okay. do so I kind of knew a little bit about yeah. him in that sense. But I think, and you can attest this better yeah. than I can. As a quarterback, there's something that's said to be: a) you're taking over for one of the best players yeah. in conference history; b). You're, you're going up. You're on the road. Yeah. Granted, hey, FIU fans are coming to me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know, Ricardo Silva so, yeah. Stadium is not the toughest road venue in all of college football. Right. Um, but you're on the road. But you're on the road, it's, You're coming in cold. And it's a big game. Yeah. Because that was a game that uh, Middle Tennessee State could have taken first place in the division. FIU actually did. Um. But, yeah, just to come in there and just the way he competed, I thought that, that showed well, a lot actually, about yeah. his guts and character. So. We'll see what happens there, but uh, really quick, you know, we want once again thank everyone for listening. Uh, we've run through what we've run through for today, but hey, you know, you can always find us. We'll be a weekly podcast. You know, we'll be around. Uh, Steve, really quick, anything else you want to touch on? Anything else you want to plug? Or anything you think we pretty much good here?
1: Man, that's, you, I think we pretty much covered it. We we went through some Mountain West recruiting, some Sun Belt quarterback recruiting, and uh, touching all the weapons around Conference USA. So we'll do our best to get get into some more weapons around the Mountain West and Sunbelt Belt in America next. Next week, and we'll definitely touch on the uh, American Athletic Conference quarterbacks uh, for the class of 2020. And they, uh, just side note, they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Cincinnati just got this guy, Evan Prater, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Could have gone to multiple Power Five schools. This guy's a dude. But we'll say that for next time. So
0: okay, Steve. So you're that's learning it. the journalistic <laughs> technique of a tease. You know, that's that's to give you a I reason to come I back even, for... I
1: didn't even mean to. Necessarily, <laughs> but that the, that guy, the guy jumps out on film. He's a dude. So.
0: Absolutely. So really quick once we want to thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find the podcast at QB Spotlight. Actually, really quick, Steve, before we close yeah. up. Um you you are now a Florida resident. Right. How's yeah. that how's that going? So for good.
1: You? So that you gotta know I've been bouncing back and forth between Houston and Florida for uh, for work. So during the M L B off season, I've been in Houston and during the season I'm in Florida and now I'll be here full time. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. The warmers are the weather's already nicer than than the Houston rain and, and you know fog all the time as we and eric are looking out the window to the beach and the palm trees and the sun the sunshine so uh it'll be an adventure so
0: what i'll do is i'll tweet out on picture a picture of the view that we have outside (laughs) that you guys can see there are other parts of the nation i just uh, texted my friend up in chicago and uh it is 13 degrees out there and snowy so hey man it's not 80 degrees where you live at sorry can't relate (laughs) um but like i said you can follow the podcast on twitter at qb spotlight once again find me on twitter at eric eric c henry h-e-n-r-y underscore you can find my man steve on twitter at stephen hamner that's hamner h-a-m-n-e-r please all and any feedback is welcome dm us you know leave a, a review on apple podcast we we want to make this thing better so please any and all um advice and and uh, and feedback is welcome and like i said next podcast we to get into some of the uh, american quarterbacks as well so happy football watching you just almost spring it's around the corner we know it's you know if you if you look at it totality there's like seven eight months still football But just take it day by day, you know, little by little. You got the XFL. You got spring. So uh, football will be around the corner as soon as you know it. Thank you for listening, guys.